The sun is shining in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello again, everybody. This is Harry Carey. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. Live. Bryant sends one a deep left way back. It is gone. A three-run homer. In the entertainment capital of the world. Didn't matter what the count was. It's the T.C. Martin Show. to get your daily prescription from the doctor. That's the longest home Number two, glad to have you with us here on this wild Wednesday. I want to thank Trevor Maddich for joining us, ESPN, breaking it down college football style. Brian Salmon is going to join us a little bit later on this hour, B-Sal, over the UFC facility today, talking with Nick Diaz. So uh, we'll get some B-Sal thoughts like that. And uh, Major League Baseball, we are touching that this hour as well, too. Glad to have you with us here. And don't forget Friday at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, our Friday home. Come on out, see the show live, and join us. That is going to be exciting. Showtime Sean Porter going to be joining us. The welterweight champ, the two-time welterweight champ, and he's got a huge fight coming up. Yes, Terrence Crawford and Showtime Sean Porter here in Las Vegas in November. And speaking of boxing, of course, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3 coming up here on October the 9th. So a lot of great events coming. And as we know, Canelo Alvarez back in action too against Caleb Plant. They got into a little uh, little shoving match yesterday at the press conference in Los Angeles as well too. So uh, that's coming up November the 6th. So again, it's a, a great time to be a boxing fan back here in Las Vegas. So as we know, the boxing capital of the world, the entertainment capital of the world, it's a, it's a sports capital of the world. And don't forget Raiders and Dolphins coming your way on Sunday. Looking forward to that. All right. Let's talk a little Major League Baseball. And let's bring in one of my former colleagues from back in the day. And he has uh, been doing a fantastic job on the play-by-play side uh, for quite some time now. Uh, you know, did it with the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Boston Red Sox, and now residing in Los Angeles with the World Series champion, Los Angeles Dodgers. We're talking about Tim Neverett. Tim, what is going on, my man? Oh, uh, everything's going on, Doctor. I, I, the fact that you're at the Cosmo on Friday is unbelievable. That's my favorite place. See, I love I love hearing that, and uh, I know that you know when you get back to town, you love going over to the Cosmopolitan. So you know what that means. I mean, there on a Friday, we we have to have you. You know, especially here during the off season, right? Yeah, I'll probably be roaming around. Won't, you won't, I won't be too hard to find when I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> well, probably like myself. Uh, you find yourself either uh, on the second or third floor at some of the fantastic restaurants because you can find me always at Blue Ribbon or STK or a Block 16 if I want to uh, quick grab and go after the show. So there it is. Well, Absolutely. We have to Absolutely. dine. We have to dine, Tim, at the Cosmopolitan. There's no question about uh, that. Yeah, it's one of the best places. We go there a lot. My, my wife and I love it there. We we often stay there, and uh, it's a great place. That's awesome. Hey, man, it has been a while since uh, we talked. I think the last time I had you on was back when you were, you know, working with the Red Sox. And uh, you know, like I like to say, you know, we go back uh, to those early and mid '90s where we worked together. Always great catching up with you, my friend. And I just uh, we got to do this a little bit more often. Yeah, we played softball together too, didn't we? Yes, we did. Pretty, <laughs> there we go. Pretty sure. There, there you go. Back in the day, you know, radio uh, network softball team. Back in our old uh, SEN days, as as we like to talk about and reminisce every once in a while, the old sports entertainment network. But uh, yeah, Tim came from Boston. I came from SAC. There we were together, and uh, and there we go. At uh, you know, some some old days. And who can ever forget Tim Neverett? You're hosting the late night trivia going back in Boston back in the day before that, right? Come on now. 
Yeah, I'm surprised you remember that because that was uh, my first network job. Yeah. It was working working uh, overnights and <laughs> weekends and you know all the hours that nobody else wanted to work. But what they didn't realize was that that's when most of the stations around the country were taking the program because they didn't have local people on. So that's what. That's where you got all the exposure was working the weekend overnights. And, and that and that's where, you know, I ended up, you know, again, uh, in SEN, you know, doing like midnight to six. And I like to tell everybody I've worked every shift imaginable. But that midnight to six where you're on over 100 affiliate stations and when you got, you know, all kinds of, of, of crazy people at that hour, uh, I, I love those days. Remember those days very, very fondly. Yeah, those days are fun. And, you know, you get your regular callers, but you get a lot of callers. And uh, I remember – uh, doing the the stuff for the sports final years ago out of Boston. Yep. That was before anybody else had done any network radio. Right. That was the first one. Uh, that was sports, and we would have people lining up forty five minutes, you know, half hour before the shows, waiting to get on, and they'd wait on hold uh, for all that time. And we had full full phone lines all night, every night, because it was such a new phenomenon at the time. And then other networks came in, got the idea, and they. They, you know, branched off, did their own things, but we were the first ones to do it. And it was uh, what people didn't know is that we were in a little one-bedroom apartment <laughs> in East Boston on top of a laundromat and Chinese food uh, restaurant. Well, at least you ate well, you know, early in the morning, right? No, they weren't open then. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you, you could get your laundry done while you were on there. Okay, that, that six or seven minute break at the top of the hour. There you go. Tim Nevers throwing yeah, his underwear but, in there. But you know that that smell that the, the dryer exhaust makes. Oh, and that's no. It good. would come right up into our windows, so we'd be doing shows all night, and we'd be you know smelling somebody's uh, you know the dryer exhaust. So it was a little different. See, the times the times have changed quite a bit, though. I, I, now I know why you clamored to come to Las Vegas. Now you know travel three thousand miles to to Vegas after that experience. Oh. I did, yeah. It was it was worth it, though. Funny stuff. All right, Tim Nevert uh, joins us. Uh, Tim has got a book uh, coming out, COVID Curveball, an inside view of the 2020 Los Angeles Dodgers World Series championship season. Uh, great stuff here, uh, Tim. Uh, what inspired you to write this book? Well, because we didn't really know what was going to happen once we were quarantined. You know, we didn't know if we'd have a 100-game season, a 60-game season. Uh, we didn't know what baseball was going to bring in 2020. So uh, during the quarantine period, I just decided that it might be good to just start journaling some things and and keep writing things each day. Uh, you know, our role, my role with the club had, had been adjusted a little bit because of the short schedule, so I had a little bit more time to write. So what I did was I just wrote every day things that I saw, observations that I made, you know, uh, things I saw at the stadium or maybe out outside somewhere in LA, but more, you know, it's more covering, uh, the baseball season. It's about 95% Dodgers, but there's a lot of other baseball stories in there. Uh, some of my own personal stories, other, other stories from around the, the game in the past. And also from last year, how major league baseball dealt with all the testing, how we had to broadcast games, you know, heck how we're still broadcasting games. Uh, you know, tonight I'll do the, uh, Dodgers and, Colorado Rockies, they're in Denver. I'm still in at Dodger Stadium. I'm I'm there right now. So it it's it's still had an effect on us. Um, you know, COVID nineteen has still had an effect on baseball and and so I think that, you know, we just chronicling it and then chronicling the team on a daily basis in real time that went all the way to the World Series and won it turned out to be um, you know, an important document uh, as far as covering baseball. You know, we had just talked to uh, one of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers broadcasters, and, you know, football, they've let their announcers go on the road. But like you said, Major League Baseball, you see that through the entire league where the visiting team does not get to travel. They have to go to their stadium like you're doing tonight, you know, with the Dodgers, you know, being in Colorado. Why do you think that Major League Baseball has has kept this process up here, uh, continue on from last year? Is it because maybe the NFL does it because, well, it's just it's once a week and maybe they can have a little bit more control over that with the COVID situation where baseball you're traveling a couple times during the week no i think it's it's different there's about i want to say 11 teams right now or 11 or, or a dozen teams right now that are sending their radio crews on the road uh i know the cubs have gone to milwaukee i know the pirates just did a series in cincinnati for TV, but the, the TV side of things, it's very different. There's a lot of logistics that people don't consider. 
uh, and it's very difficult um, to to just kind of pick up and go. Uh, there's the travel aspect of it. Every team has different announcers of different ages, of different uh, you know health situations. So it just matters from team to team, and and you know depending on how the cases are in your particular area, uh, you know do they want to have their announcers exposed? And you know broadcasting such a big part of marketing the ball club. Do you want to you know risk? having any issues there. So that's why teams, I think all across the board have been very cautious and very slow to get back to sending their announcers on the road. So many irregularities last season, you know, you had the 60 game regular season. Of course you had the social distancing with, uh, with players. You basically had no clubhouse contact. If you're in the media, no player access. And of course, like you said, no travel. What was maybe the most inconvenient thing that you had to deal with last year? Uh, everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know there's all the above, really. You're right. Yeah. But... You, you really had to adjust your life. For example, I was, uh, staying at a place downtown LA, uh, for the two months during the season. I was planning on moving, but we put the move off by like a year because why move for a two month season? Right. So we put it off and, and waited, but at the same time where I would stay and then I would go to the pharmacy or the grocery store in the ballpark and that's it. That was it. I mean, I had food delivered, uh, like a food service delivery, so, that it, so I didn't have to go to the grocery store that often. Uh, and you just had to adjust your entire life to limit your exposure to people and, and places. So that was a big inconvenience for everybody. You know, it was constant testing, but it wasn't an inconvenience. You want to know. And the people you work for want to know. And I think the Dodgers did a great job in keeping everybody safe last year and and going above and beyond major leagues protocols to make sure everybody was healthy and, you know, did everything they could. So, uh, you know, there was all that, um, you know, the fact that we couldn't work in the radio booth, we had to work in a luxury suite. You might say, well, that's an upgrade, but it really isn't because it's not set up for radio. So we had to work in a bigger room so we could spread out and we couldn't be, you know, we didn't sit near each other. And there were, you know, my partner on radio was Rick Monday. I mean, I did games with Rick. I never, I never looked at him one time because he was sitting three rows behind me. Um, so there was a lot of different things that were an inconvenience, obviously. But I, I would say that inconvenience is a is, is a, a different word. You know, it's, it, it was more. We had to do these things out of necessity, right? And uh, to stay healthy, so you you just learn to adjust. There were major adjustments, I would say. Uh, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, TC, is that we were able to watch baseball in person. We were lucky. We were one of the lucky few who got to actually see games in person uh, where the stadiums were entirely closed. And, you know, we were part of helping to provide some sort of distraction for sports fans in our country at one of our country's worst times uh, where there was definitely a need for a distraction. So it was hard. The players did everything they could. When they got between the lines, they played like major league players. And uh, they didn't let the other things like the fake crowd noise and the fake fans uh, distract them. They played hard all the time. Right. And to that point, you know, Tim, that you're talking about, I mean, again, we're watching on TV. We don't, you know, get that sense. And, you know, when I went to the Raider games last year and covered that at Legion Stadium, I thought it was very very strange. I mean, an empty stadium where you could actually hear everything that happened on the sidelines. And we're up in the press box, you know, you know, you know, four stories high. And I thought that was really strange. For you, what was maybe one of the strangest things or a couple strange things that you were involved with or you actually witnessed at the park during the season? Huh. When the Houston Astros came in and we didn't have fans <laughs> and the the Dodgers fans really you know, they get after Houston because of the 2017 world series. So, um, you know, one of the things about that is that, uh, with no fans, somebody decided that they would hire an airplane and tow a sign behind it saying, uh, you know, Astros uh, try and steal this sign. Um, and then the next day there were three planes towing three different signs circling the stadium during the Astros batting practice. And there were people outside the stadium protesting the Astros, and they brought trash cans and signs and waited for the team buses to come by. And, uh, I mean, they were very passionate about it as much as they could be. You know, there was that side of things. And then there's the other side of Chavez Ravine when the team's on the road and there are no human beings around. The animals start coming down from the from the hills. <laughs> and and I'm not kidding. I mean, there was one night I came out, and there was a coyote 20 yards from me. Right? I was getting in my car, and I turned around. There's a coyote. There's another one up by a guardrail. 
So they were coming into the stadium um, because there were no human beings around to scare them off. Wow. And, and that's funny you say that because I've been in that parking lot so many times and never even thought that, okay, when you're in the stadium, it's so picturesque and you're looking at that, but I don't think about wildlife. And then, you know, especially going to your car and you just you describing it, I'm thinking, like, that makes perfect sense. That is yeah, crazy. Because when the team's on the road, the stadium's dark. So we're in the yeah. booths. The stadium's completely dark and quiet. We're the only ones there. And when we leave at 10, 11 at night, whatever time we leave, you know, the animals is kind of taken over. And uh, so that was one of the strange things about last year, too. Now, this year, I've not seen a single animal out there, <laughs> but, but uh, there's people around. That's why. They're, so they're a little skittish and they stay up in the hills. But, I mean, they were coming right up to the stadium last year. Right. Tim Neverett joins us, a longtime broadcaster, does a fantastic job with the Dodgers right now and author of the book, COVID Curveball, an inside view of the 2020 L.A. Dodgers World Championship season. Tim, I want to go back to, you mentioned the the situation with the Astros coming to town, and then obviously this year we've seen the fans, you know, react with the garbage cans. And I remember the one series this year where, uh, you know, when I talked to Dusty Baker, he had said, man, it was just it was ugly. I mean, it was just, you know, where you know the game got delayed three, four different times. I remember watching, you know, one of those games on television and then talking to him afterwards, and he said, well, you know, the, the stuff that we had to hear, you know, from the fans there and seeing the way uh, Dodger fans were treating some, some Astro fans, where, where do you stand on all of that? And, you know, some fans will say, hey, that was four years ago. Okay, we understand it, but it, it's still going on. And if these two teams meet in the World Series, which they very well could, I mean, it's really going get, to get heightened to another level here. So uh, talk a little bit about, you know, how do you handle that during the course of a broadcast? And, again, you are broadcasting the team, even though you weren't there at the, at the time with them. But, uh, you, know, you know, just you know, speaking on this subject here. Well, I was with Boston at the time in 2017 right. when, when the Astros beat him in the division series. And in game one, they tore apart Chris Sale. They didn't swing at his slider at all. And so they knew it was coming. And, you know, people forget that, that the Red Sox were kind of hosed, the Yankees were, and, and the Dodgers were because of the, the Astros uh, and what they did. So it wasn't just the Dodgers, but um, – Dodger fans don't see that because it was in the World Series. It, it was for all the marbles, and the Dodgers fans feel like they were perhaps cheated out of a World Series. Uh, the uh, Yankees fans feel like they were cheated out of an American League pennant, and the Red Sox fans feel like they were just cheated out of advancing in the postseason. Um, so uh, nobody talks about the, the, the Yankees as much. They certainly don't talk about the Red Sox right. time, but, I mean, Chris Sale in the first inning – got victimized back-to-back by Bregman and, and Altuve, and Altuve hit three home runs off him that day. Right. When would you ever see that again? Probably never. Right. So, you know, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to the story, and there's a, there's a lot that people are just not going to forget about it. Final game of last year's World Series, Game 6. Uh, Justin Turner is pulled from the game, and uh, the Dodgers end up winning – Turner wants to come on out and does come out, celebrate with his team, you know, taking photos and that sort of thing. Very controversial at the time. And really, you know, that almost overshadowed uh, the victory. Take us through that moment as you're there calling it. And, and I, you know, I know that you weren't in the stadium at that point in time, but just uh, speak a little bit to that moment. Yeah, it's a, and I, I wrote about that in, in the book as well. And it's, it was a strange moment because, you saw Edwin Rios coming out to go play third base, and you're thinking, why? Uh, there's a story about what uh, tonight's starting pitcher Walker Bueller did to go tell the guys in the bullpen, and they didn't believe him uh, that Justin had tested positive. But the ironic thing is that Justin was really the COVID cop on the team. He was the guy that helped to institute higher protocols than just what Major League Baseball had allowed. So it was really ironic that he was the guy who had a positive test. He has no idea how he got it. He had no symptoms whatsoever. And um, the reason that he wasn't punished by Major League Baseball is because some of Major League Baseball security, uh, from as I understand, told him it was all right to go on the field. So, <laughs> so they uh, they really couldn't come back on him. And and uh, you know the team wanted him out there. He's such a big part of the team. He's a team leader. Uh, and they you know you win a World Series and that guy who's right there up until the sixth inning or seventh inning, um, you know he's not there, but. 
I said that that's the most 2020 thing about the 2020 season is the fact that you have Blake Snell, who's absolutely dominating the Dodgers in game six. They can't hit him. Because of analytics, he doesn't last in a game as long as a guy with COVID-19 playing third base for the Dodgers. Right. So, you know, six pitches after Blake Snell was out, the Dodgers had the lead in the World Series in hand. So um, it it was just really uh, everything from start to finish was the bizarro world of baseball, the twilight zone of baseball. And uh, I hope we never have to repeat that again. All right. Uh, You got yourself a World Series ring. And a lot of people don't realize that, hey, you know, broadcasters and people that work with the organization, they get a ring. Uh, so yeah. talk a little bit about that. And we saw these rings. I mean, every year in every sport, I mean, it just seems like the rings get more and more gaudy and more and more expensive. Let's, let's hear about your ring. Yeah, pretty blingy. I'm, I'm lucky. I actually have two of them now. But they, <laughs> That's right. um, yeah. But this, this, yeah, this one is really nice and is great of the, of the organization and what they do and how they take care of the broadcasters too. So it's something that you, you know, is such a valuable thing to have as a, uh, you know, a marker in your career. If you're able to, to get one of those, uh, not everybody who works in baseball gets to get one of those. Um, then it's just something special. And that's why when I go places and, uh, different things I'll bring it and I'll share it with people so they can you know get a chance to see what it's like and uh, feel how heavy those things are yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and you know get a look at it you know especially Dodger fans I like to share it with them so do you actually wear it or bring it out with you or is this pretty much for the most part you know locked away in home it's most of the time locked away uh, but I'll bring it out for show sometimes yeah. not uh, sometimes uh, I did a TV appearance recently where I, I had it on uh, I've done a couple of those, uh, but it's just, it's so big. It looks like a satellite dish on your right. hand. <laughs> All right. This Dodger season, high expectations. You guys got a deep roster. And then here come the San Francisco Giants out of nowhere. I mean, what has this pennant race looked like here? Because you guys got 97 wins, second best record in all of Major League Baseball, and the Dodgers can find themselves in a wild card in a one and done situation here. This seems insane. Yeah, you got 11 games to go. The Giants continue to pull games out of thin air, smoke and mirrors. I mean, it's amazing how they're winning, and we're watching the games too, and you're like, there's just no way that happened. And, you know, one thing happens, another thing happens. They all have horseshoes in their lockers up there in San Francisco because they're just they're getting very lucky having one of those seasons. The Red Sox had one of those seasons in 2018. I witnessed it. I mean, every possible way you could have won a ball game, they did. Every way you could snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat, they did. And that's what the Giants are doing. They're having a, a very, very special season. Uh, but the Dodgers are still right there. The Dodgers are still right uh, on the back of their neck and still could catch them, still could pass them. There is time. They could tie them and force a game 163. Right. So the Giants have to keep winning. The Dodgers know they have to keep winning. And the Dodgers for the next two games have, you know, Walker Bueller pitching tonight. He's a Cy Young candidate and a, and a Cy Young favorite. Max Scherzer pitching tomorrow afternoon in the day game, the final game in Colorado with the Rockies before moving on to Arizona, a, a softer spot in the schedule, but they're still a big league ball club, and you, you've got to go there and win every game every day. And this is pennant race baseball. This is nothing more exciting, especially when you've got the best divisional race in the game going on between two great rivals and the Dodgers and Giants. You know, we see so many managers that are so concerned, you know, with, you know, the postseason and making sure they're healthy, making sure that pitching rotation is good and and guys aren't, you know, eating up a lot of innings and that sort of thing. But for the Dodgers, for such a long period of time, Tim, this team is, like you said, been in playoff mode. And and what is Dave Roberts, you know, attitude towards this and, and the team? Do they feel and have they felt this way? Like, hey, every one of these games is must win situation because they don't want to be a team that has over 100 wins and and to be in a one-and-done situation. So I'm just real curious about the message in that clubhouse and and the psyche with Roberts, the coaching staff, and the players. Well, they've really simplified it. It's win today. Forget yesterday. Forget tomorrow. Win today. Have to win today. Who cares what the Giants are doing? Doesn't matter. You're not playing the Giants tonight. You know, you're playing the Rockies, and you got to win. And they've got an all-star pitcher on the mound and Herman Marquez, uh, they've got a pretty good hitting lineup. They played well at home in spite of losing five straight at Coors Field. Dodgers winning an extra innings last night. But I think, you know, the, the, the main focus is you've got to worry about every pitch, every every defensive play. Everything's got to, got to be done right and uh, 
beat the team that you're playing tonight. You're not going to win two games in one day against two different teams. So you can't worry about them. You know, if the, if the Padres give you some help and they beat the Giants tonight, then great. But you can't count on that. You just have to count on yourself. And that's really the message that this team has given their players. You know, Max Scherzer is one of my favorite guys. I got a chance to to talk with him, you know, quite a bit when he was in Washington. Uh, talk about the presence of him in this clubhouse since he's come over. Oh, it's been amazing. He, they love him. I mean, his intensity, the way that he goes about his business, he's old school. You know, in today's game, you don't see pitchers going to throw their bullpen sessions in between starts in full uniform. He does that because that's an old school thing. And he'll go out there fully dressed, game uniform. Most guys are wearing shorts, T-shirt. <laughs> he goes out there in his full gamer. And, uh, you know, he, he's just so – he's been so good. And I, I've seen him a number of times. I, I called a near-perfect game of his uh, back in 2015, a game he – eight and two-thirds perfect. And then he he uh, hit a pinch hitter in the elbow and then got the next guy out to get the no-hitter. But um, he, he's been remarkable. He really has been remarkable. And I think right now he's the – Odds-on favorite to win the Cy Young Award in the National League, and I think he should. You know, familiar with Clayton Kershaw's postseason, uh, you know, troubles in, in the past. Maybe not so much, you know, last postseason, but you know, you know, he's coming off an injury. Uh, what is the the status with with Kershaw, and where does he fit in here? Oh, he's fine right now. He's back in the rotation. He pitched five really good innings the other day um, uh, against the Reds. Uh, he, he's fine. He's he'll be stretched out to. You know, six innings, seven innings here in his next start. Um, but it's just a matter of how the pitching lines up and how everybody's doing. But Kershaw's fine right now. That's a big boost. But you've got three big pitchers, you know, aside from him with Julio Urias, uh, Walker Bueller, and Max Scherzer. Then your fifth guy is Tony Gonsolin, uh, who will jump back into the rotation for a start here uh, coming up because of the way the schedule is. But I, I think the Dodgers are going to be fine in starting pitching. Uh, typically it comes down to three just a matter of which three, but Julio Arias has pitched so well this year. I mean, he's the major league leader in wins with 18. Uh, Bueller's so good, and, and uh, you know, the Dodgers are going to have to find a way to get Kershaw involved, but he got that playoff monkey off his back last year. I think he's just going to be fine. You know, the we talk a lot about the Trevor Bauer situation. I don't know how much you guys have, have talked about that, addressed that, but a very sad situation there. I guess, you know, now, you know, that uh, suspension or whatever you want to call it, leave of absence, extended and extended, and, he, and he's pretty much done. But uh, some quick thoughts about Trevor Bauer and the Dodgers there. Really, really nothing. I mean, it's, to be honest, we really look at the players who are here. Yeah. And if, and if somebody's not here, we're not paying any attention to him, to be honest. I mean, even that, that's guys that go down to AAA. We, don't, we follow the AAA club, but we don't, you know, spend a lot of time on it because we have so many players here, and our, our jobs are, you know, information-based. So it's very challenging just to keep up with who's here. And that's really all we've been focusing on is the guys who are here. If, if someone's not here, they, they're not helping, so it's not a – it's not a situation that we focus on or think about. I, I, to be honest, I haven't even thought about them in, in weeks and weeks. Right. So um, we just, you know, the team has moved on. Everybody's moved on. And, and uh, you know, they're just trying to win a game against Colorado tonight. All right. Uh, Cody Bellinger, his status. Understand uh, Cody Bellinger on the IL now, all right? Yeah, he'll be back after the weekend. They retroed him yesterday back a few days. He got in a collision with Gavin Lux in the outfield uh, the first day Lux was playing left field at the big league level. And, uh, some miscommunication and they had a bit of a collision. And so he's got a non-displaced fracture of one of his ribs and it hasn't been getting any better. So I think that um, uh, he should probably be back after the weekend. He's been struggling at the plate anyway. Uh, the one guy they're, they're trying to get back is Chris Taylor. He's had some sort of a sore neck and has, he wasn't available last night. We'll see if he's available today. All right. Great Dodger uh, talk here with Tim Neverett. Tim, final thing for you is the, Dodger dog improved. I mean, we talked about the story about, you know, uh, Farmer John out, uh, new company in, new Dodger dog. I, I, I wasn't a fan of the original Dodger dog, Tim, so help me out here. Well, I, I didn't mind the old Dodger dog, and I, I do like the new one. I've, I've only tried one this year. I don't, uh, I don't try to overload on the Dodger dog, but, <laughs> um, but I have tried one because it was a new one, and I thought it was pretty good, so... I think either way, you're not going to go wrong. Is the press box food back? 
you know, now that, uh, oh, yeah. you know, okay, that's good. Because, you know, because before, you know, the box lunches or, you know, we've had to deal with a lot of that or just, you know, you know no food at all here. So at least. Uh, no, they, they, they brought in some uh, food service machines for us when the team's on the road. But when they're at home, we have full press uh, press dining back this year, which has been wonderful. you got to love it. All right, my friend. Not quite as good as the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas, but, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll do no, it. There's, <laughs> there's, not, there's nothing like secret pizza. Oh, there you go. Especially 2 o'clock in the morning, right? There you go. Hush, hush. I, I don't Tim. know. I lose track of time when I'm there. Tim, you can't talk about that. Hush, hush. It's secret, okay? Secret pizza. <laughs> hey, my friend, enjoy the call uh, tonight. We'll be watching Dodgers and the Rockies. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, hopefully talking with you as we approach uh, playoff time, my friend. And uh, go catch the Giants, all right? Get the win. I mean, that Cinderella story's got to be over right now, okay? Uh, I'm hoping so. And, and uh, if, if people want to pick up the book and learn about the Dodgers, they can go to Amazon and they get all the, all the varieties there. Hardcover, Kindle, audio book. It's all there at Amazon.com. The COVID Curveball is the book, an inside view of the 2020 L.A. Dodgers World Championship season. Author Tim Neverett. Amazon, it's there. We highly suggest uh, that you get it. And uh, congratulations on the book, my friend. Congratulations on that. Congratulations on on a, on a great career. And uh, keep on keeping on, man. All right. Thanks, TC. Appreciate it. You got it. There he is. Tim Neverett uh, spent a lot of time here in Las Vegas. You know, on the radio side, uh, again, former colleague of mine and doing a fantastic job with the Dodgers. And check out his book. Uh, just a great read. Inside view of the 2020 Dodgers, the COVID curveball, appropriately named. All right. This just in, the Tampa Bay Rays have clinched. They clinched the AL East, so, right? Well, they got a playoff spot. You know, I know. That's what I say. I say boo, too. Yeah, I want the Astros to get that number one seed. That's what I want. I want them hosting the Rays. I don't want to go to that orange juice box, that horrendous place they call a stadium there, Tropicana Field. Ridiculous. Yeah, that's about the, the amount of crowd they have there, too. And you're hearing that laugh track. Jeez, pathetic. All right, we come back. B. Sal's going to join us, our sports director over at News 3. We'll hit some football and look ahead. Raiders, Dolphins coming up this weekend. I do exactly what I want to do. It's It's the the Dr. Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane. I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. I almost feel like we got theme music going here, you know? You know when I hear this? Not a flashback to my old NorCal days. That means it's Brian Salmon time. That's right. B-Sal, News 3, sports director, getting his groove on while he's driving today. B-Sal, come on in. BBD. Yeah, I must What's that? I'm, I'm behind. I can barely hear you, though, but I'm behind. Go ahead, man. You got to turn down your radio. Turn down your radio and sing along. Go ahead. You know you, you want to. Oh, there we go. Hey. I like it. I need, I need this energy right now. You got to play the hook, though. It's coming. It's time to be out of bottom this is my entry music this is my walkout music now huh that's your walkout music exactly yeah here you go i i think you struck out on three pitches though after that hearing that rendition jeez no i I've never struck out in my life, man. I don't no. know about that. That's right. You only, you only get picked <laughs> get off at first. Out. Exactly. Yeah, I just get picked off. I don't strike out. I get a hit, and then I get picked off. <laughs> uh, what's going on, my man? Oh, man. What's happening, TC? Woo! Been uh, been busy, been crazy, as you well know, and uh, this is a, oh. a, a a great time to be either a sports fan or in the sports media, as we know, right? Man, I keep saying this on the air, just different ways of saying it, but this week in Las Vegas is a sports fan's dream. I mean, everything that's going on, UFC, Raiders, Golden Knights, NASCAR, soccer going on in Legion Stadium tonight. Like, anything you want, you can have it out here. This is the place to be, as if 
folks didn't already know, they better ask somebody. B. Sal, do you remember what's happening in six days from now? You better put that on the docket of the, the forefront there. Six days. Of next, course. Of next course. Tuesday uh, night. There you go, brother. Is it, is it really next Tuesday? Next Tuesday night, game one, the WNBA semifinals. Wow. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was next Tuesday. Yeah. I will have um, – I'm letting the cat out the bag, and hopefully it's confirmed. I, I'll, I'll find out later on this evening, but I should have one of the uh, playoff players in studio tomorrow, one that has not done an interview since this person was put on, yeah. I guess, the COVID list. Yes, yes, I know what you're yeah. saying. I know, I know. Yeah. You'll be having her on the so. TV, I'll be having her on the radio, and there we go, man. We'll, yeah, the, okay, okay, the, the, there we go, all right, I like it, yeah. I like it. So when, as, when, as you should. When you have her on, make, um, you rock her world, you get a big smile, and you can tell her where it came from. Say, yeah, introduce her as the Big Benzie. And she'll know where that came from. That's it. The big. Did you, did you come up with that name? Well, I've heard her say that plenty of times. Yeah, she said it, but no one ever says it to her when they're interviewing her. And so every time I have her on, I said the big. And she's like cracking up. She goes, you know, no one has ever called me that, but uh, she calls herself that. You know, she. She had said that. So the there big you go. body bins. I, I remember. There I remember go. the interview that she did that. The there, big body bins. There you go. Absolutely. There it is. When she was talking about the coach from Connecticut, I believe it was right. Yeah, correct. Correct. There you go. Yeah. So uh, yeah. who they are hoping to see in the finals? There you go. Man. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if they see that, you know what? That would be apropos. That's my final word for the day. If they end up in the team. Has really had their number all season long, so that that would be nice to see them in the finals and to be able to to get over to overcome them in order to win a title. How sweet would that be? It'd be fantastic, and I got to give you kudos, B. Sal, because from a television side, you've been that guy that has given the Aces a lot of love. You've you've had the ladies in studio. Uh, you know, uh, on your Sunday sports night shows and, and other times as well, you come to the arena. Uh, much appreciation for that, brother. Given given the Aces and the WNBA, plenty of love. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, CC man. I I truly enjoy the game. You know, I have two daughters. You know, I'm a hooper at heart. And uh, Jiggy is the best. You know what I mean? Like he's. He's up there with the Jim Jimmers of the world as far as, like, the sports information folks here in Las Vegas, man. So uh, I, I, I truly enjoy covering the Aces, and it gives me an opportunity to holler at you in person, man, because I really get a chance to see you with everything that's going on, man. So I appreciate the work you do, and I'm not saying that just because you said that to me. You already know, man. I appreciate the work you do, man, calling the games for the Aces. Uh, and, and like I told you about a couple weeks ago, I need to get some of these calls sent to me so I can put them on the air, man, so we can get you some more love. Done deal. Done deal. They're, they're being sent over, brother. So, yeah, absolutely. Just whatever you need, you know, we'll we'll get that to you. Not a problem My at G. all. Yes. Done My deal. G. Done deal. Done deal. Right. Hey, right. so, you know, again, you're covering everything here. And in one of the stories that, that people have kind of been talking about is what has happened to Bishop Gorman. And in that last football game, and I don't know how closely <laughs> you guys covered that thing, but Hamilton High completed a stunning 17-point comeback. And we don't talk about high school sports here very often at, at all. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what, just a minute and 10 seconds? And Bishop Gorman, the powerhouse that we know? What, what is going on there, man? Uh, what, what was going on there is something that was all bad. <laughs> that, was, that was all bad. Right, right. Twenty-four uh, seven. They were up with a minute ten left in the game, and they give up a seventeen unanswered point. And and there you go. They end up uh, no that twenty-four twenty-three. Right. That was yeah yeah no that was bad that was bad. I I just got done talking to one of the coaches for Arborview High School, whom I believe plays Bishop Gorman uh, this weekend. And he was telling me, he's like, man, we got to play Bishop Gorman after what they just went through. This is not, and our review is historically had a very good football team here in Vegas. He's like, man, we got to play Gorman after this. We already have a hard time with them. With them coming off of that horrendous loss, they're going to be something else. And I mean, that was it. It, it doesn't get much more embarrassing than what happened to them in that game. Right. 
Yeah, to to blow a lead like that, and then yeah, and then give it what the two point conversion there at the end. Yeah, 25, yes. 20, 24 final. Yeah, yeah, that and great. do it on a national stage. Yes, yes, yes. So, Bishop Gorman, Ooh. the powerhouse that they are, they they'll probably uh, you know answer back. And you know, again, we've seen like Alabama or we've seen Ohio State. You know, these teams that kind of come off these rare losses like that. And uh, yeah, you, you feel bad for the opponent the following week, and that's probably what's yeah. Yeah. Happen. They, they need to bounce back. And mind you, the fact that Gorman is as historic and as powerful as they are as far as in winning games, they're not the defending state champions for the first time in like 15 years. I don't think I've ever seen anybody at any level give up two onside kicks in the final minute of a game. You know? Uh, that just happened in the NFL recently, but they didn't end up losing the game. Right. I'm pretty sure – Pretty sure the Lions and the 49ers, I want to say, in week one had the exact same thing happen. Okay, right. And that is so different, too. I mean, you know, with the NFL rules, I mean, it's like you have a 2% shot of recovering an onside kick. Exactly. With, you know, yeah. again, yeah. you have to be balanced out. You can't run up. You got to be in a standstill <laughs> until the kicker kicks the ball. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah. And you know what? That's, that's interesting that you say that because watching the highlights of the Gorman game, and the way that the team it was at Hamilton, the way that they were doing the onside kick, I'm thinking to myself, like, man, this this is the most innovative onside kick I've ever seen. Did we lose B Sal there? The, oh, the there most, it seemed right. like the most effective onside kick I had ever seen. Right, right. So, uh, breaking news here, B Sal, that uh, we understand that uh, if Bishop Gorman is looking for a next opponent, Bishop Sycamore is available. All right. Yes. Now you're familiar with Bishop. Bishop you familiar with Bishop Sycamore? Yeah. They're the they're the team that uh, uh, you know got into the the ESPN national game with junior college players, and they were non competitive there a few <laughs> weeks back, if you remember, and had had their entire schedule basically canceled because they weren't even a school. That's what, yes, no, I remember. That was that was one of the most interesting, weird stories to come across sports in a while. Uh, that was odd. That yeah. was really, really, really odd. I, I'm very familiar with the Catholic school system. You know, Bishop Gorman, uh, you know, under, understand uh, that title. I've never known a fig tree to be affiliated with the Catholic church like that. <laughs> the Sycamore? Yeah, Bishop of, uh, Sycamore. Yeah. Yeah. Bishop Sycamore. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's true. I never thought of it like that. But yeah, that that doesn't seem uh, like some kind of religious religious entity. Yes. Uh, maybe the sycamore is what Eve and Adam used to wear back in the Garden of Eden. Oh wow! <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm not going to respond to that. <laughs> oh, that's that's a stretch. Yeah. There you go. All right, man. Uh, Raiders two and zero facing the Dolphins, Allegiant Stadium. On Sunday, uh, what do you think about the Raiders going into Pittsburgh? Now, I think a lot of people had the Raiders probably at one and one after the first two weeks. You know, uh, I picked Everyone. them. I thought they would they would get the job done against Baltimore. They were banged up. They found a way. One of the most exciting games that we've seen in quite some time in the home opener at Legion Stadium with fans. And then in that short week, going to the East Coast, ten o'clock in the morning game, they got to face the Steelers and they get the job done. So one and one. I mean, so two and zero, oh, and now they have this fantastic opportunity. And I expect them to be three and zero oh by beating the Dolphins, the quarterbackless Dolphins, this Sunday. You know what, TC? Uh, I would say that I was one of the people as well, probably just you and I, really. That, if we're being honest, that picked the Raiders to actually beat the Ravens on Monday Night Football, and then going to Pittsburgh, I've been saying and had said to everyone that would listen, if their defense played well, the offense we know is going to show up because they always show up for the most part. For the most part, it's the defense that has lost in their games over the past couple of years, and the defense is one of the better defenses in the NFL. They showed up in Pittsburgh at 2-0, and but I've been saying this week, this game with the Dolphins is probably – going to be the toughest game for them this season mentally because Dolphins have a backup quarterback. The Dolphins just got hammered, had a can opened on them in their last game versus the Bills. 
and the Raiders are two and zero, and they're the talk of uh, you know of ESPN and nationally. They're you know, hey, are the Raiders different. You know, they got a good team this year. They're two and zero, blah blah blah. So the fact they have these high expectations are how will they deal with that? Because you and I both know that it's much different winning games when you're supposed to win those games. Good teams win games that they are supposed to win. You know, not the games that they're underdogs in, because it's easy to get up for a game that you're an underdog. It's easy to get up for a fight with your underdog. Anytime you're underdog, it's easy to get up. But if you're favored to win, you're coming home, you're coming off of two great wins, and as you're inside the Death Star, last time they were there, they had two short and ice cubes. How are they playing this game? I'm very, very interested to see. And I, I, I'm going to say this will be their toughest game to date, even though that, that Ravens game was, uh, was you know, it, kind of a nail-biter and whatnot. Um, I'm hoping that it won't be tough. And if it's not tough, then the Raiders are for real. You know, that's, that's an interesting you know, take there, B. Sal. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a, a, a different take here. I'm going to think that at this point in time the Raiders are – are, it's not going to be a big challenge for them mentally. Now, if it was a, one of those letdown, you know, type of games where you were maybe a twelve or thirteen point, uh, you know, favorite or something like that, it'd be one thing. But this Raider team has got momentum, probably like we haven't seen before. When you have all the hype, the pomp and circumstance, all the pageantry that you had for the opening night on Monday night, and you pass that test and you're victorious. You know, I expected, and that's why I thought they would probably lose that game against Pittsburgh because, wow, you know, how, you're still banged up, and then you have no Josh Jacobs. That How are you going to do that? But they carried that no momentum. Yeah, well, no exactly. Right, exactly. So, but they took that mojo and they carried it with them on the road against a very tough Pittsburgh team. And they really, I'm going to say they dominated that game. I mean, they led they through, really did. They, they led throughout. Game, right. And they frustrated. Right. They frustrated Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin. And in that defense, that vaunted Pittsburgh Steeler defense, they pretty much shredded them with no running game. So now I'm thinking this team believes in themselves. They can hardly wait to get back to Allegiant Stadium where they had that success Monday night. So I'm thinking they are feeling very good about themselves. And uh, I don't I don't see any letdown whatsoever from the Raiders. And then, you know, I think they're licking their chops saying, hey, you got no Tua. And last time Miami was here... Remember what happened? They got oh, yeah. us. This is motivation for terrible. us. I say no letdown whatsoever from the Raiders. I think just I, motivation, baby. I, I hope. I hope. No, I, I'm not saying they're going to have a letdown. I say I think that it's, it's tough. You say I the door's there's, open. There's you say, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, there's two ways it can go, man, because I, I hope that what you said is exactly how it plays out because I can see – exactly the mentality that you said going to the first two games and entering this game, you know, that's what you, you hope to guard against. But it's, it's, it's so you see it all the time in professional sports and just in general, it's hard to guard against getting a little bit complacency and, and thinking that you've arrived and see, I told you we could do it. You know, you, you didn't believe in us. You didn't believe in me and blah, blah, blah. But now they don't have it. Everyone believes in you especially for this game. Everyone believes in you. Oh, man, you should beat them. And you said they're not a 10, 12-point favorite. They've got to be at least a a six-point favorite. They are a four-point favorite. That's it, just four. Four. I know, and and I said that earlier, that this has the feeling of about a six-point line because with no Tua and and Jacoby Brissett quarterbacking, and again, you've got all that mojo going and the way Carr is playing. I mean, Carr's the number one quarterback in the league right now, the way he's playing. He's got more yards yards. than anybody else, 817 yards through two games. So, but you know, to your point here, it's like, okay, if the Raiders win this game, they're for real. But again, this is where it comes down to coaching. Okay. You cannot let your team have a letdown. John Gruden, time for you to earn that $10 million per season right now, right? To have your team ready. Got it. And they got to be ready, plain and simple. So. I think, 100%. I think they're going to be three and zero. And if we come back here on Monday and we're talking about that this team is two and one, that is a major disappointment. You've got to beat this Dolphins team. Huge. Remember, B. Sal, the Dolphins got the big Z last week. They got a zero on the board I on know. their home field. 
On their home yeah, field. Come on. That's that inexcusable. I mean, come on. Even the Lions can score. Give me a break. No, I know. And think about this, though. As bad as the Dolphins played, think about think about how motivated they are coming here. They are professionals. They played in Las Vegas last year. They beat the Raiders last year. A game that they shouldn't have won that game last year. Correct. The Raiders should have beat them. Yeah. Fitz you know magic, I mean? baby. Fitz it's, magic. That's, it got it to them. Exactly. Yeah. Tua didn't exactly. get the job no done. No reason why they won. Yeah. Yeah, yep. they got jobs. They got jobs as well. Um, so, I mean, the, the the Dolphins have all the motivation in the world. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, one team is going to have to make up its motivation and its, it's uh, us-against-the-world mentality while the other team has all of that already built in. We'll see who will be able to, uh, to uh, create it and use it more effectively on Sunday. That, that's, that's one of the reasons why you love sports. You know what I mean? Like, you love the competition aspect of it, and that's one of the reasons why sports betting is so big because no one knows, man. Like, a four-point spread, like you have the easy, obvious one. is like, of course they cover. But but they sports books are rich for a reason. <laughs> B-Sal might be going well to the – Cosmopolitan for a reason, There you, there you go. B-Sal <laughs> might be going to the window. I, I hear him uh, giving some Raider love there. He's, he's thinking, man, I could, I could add some greenbacks to my wallet there. I hear you. That's what you're thinking. I know you are. I can always use some greenbacks, man, but I only bet on the sure thing. Like like me shooting the ball against any media member in Las Vegas. That's a sure thing. <laughs> you better watch it, man. Any. Any. You better watch, watch that. You any better, media member in Las Vegas. That goes for Kevin E. Martin, who, who says she's got a wet ball. And I've, I've seen videos and all that. I've, anybody who thinks they can shoot, Come see me. <laughs> uh, come see about me. That's what he's saying. Be Sal. All right, brother. Uh, tell the people what we got coming up. Uh, you interviewed Nick Diaz today. You got UFC happening real quick. Give it to us. Real quick, yes. Uh, check it out. I'll be uh, doing my report for the UFC Apex today, and I'll have the latest on Nick Diaz, who made everyone wait in the media room before he showed up. And guess what? He didn't show up. Uh, How about that? Pulled a Floyd Mayweather Jr. on you, didn't he? Huh? A little flashback. Man, Floyd's never done that to me, but Nick Diaz really. Well, no. And we all know, saw him enter the building, didn't show up. Wow. So Wow. There you terrible. go. That's no terrible, good. Terrible, terrible. That's no good, man. Yeah. That's no good. But I had the other fighters that did show up, like the title fighters, uh, Shevchenko and Volkanovsky. So we have that. Uh, we're talking to some Raiders. Derek Carr has some good words to talk about what we were just talking about as far as motivation and not feeling like you have arrived. Derek Carr had some had, had a very very interesting uh, comments on that. Um, per uh, coming from John Gruden and everything else, so be looking out for that uh, on Channel Three coming up tonight at six p.m. on the Big Three. All right, looking forward to it, brother. All right, my man. Be good. We will catch you uh, over the weekend and into next week, and we'll uh, see you at Allegiant Stadium, Mandalay Bay, coming up uh, on Tuesday and Thursday as well, too. Absolutely. Hey, are you going to that soccer game tonight by any chance? I am not. I am not. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I am going down there, so I was thinking I might see you there. I'm really going to see what the atmosphere is like, but also right. I can't get enough of the food inside of Allegiant. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know the feeling, man. I know it. All right, peace out. Uh, eat well. Go ahead and, and post some of those pictures. Go ahead and try to match my Allegiant uh, Stadium food picks. Go ahead. There you go. I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. All right. My man. Catch him. He could be wearing the pink suit, the maroon suit, the the powder blue. You never know. It's Brian Selm. News 3. Take care. All right, all right, TC, be good, my man. All right, there is Brian Salmon. Want to thank Tim Never for joining us today, Trevor Maddich, and of course B Sal. You miss any part of the show? Go to the website tcmartinshow.com. Nick Nice in the house, in the building. My man's back. Yeah, get busy. All right, don't forget Friday. Come see us at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. And again, website tcmartinshow.com. Have yourself a good one. We reconvene tomorrow at two. Bill Lambeer, Scott Spritzer, and more.